We've been talking about the prominent peaks of future things in God's prophetic calendar. And way back when started with this rapture, which involves believers only. And then this judgment seat, which involves believers again only. This is a time of the dissemination of praise and affirmation and rewards from the Lord Jesus. And then we spoke about this evil character, the anti Christ, who plays such a prominent role during this horrific uh, time of the outpouring of the wrath of God, known as the tribulation, the great one. And we spoke a little bit about the tribulation in prior Wednesday nights, and I'd like for us to spend more time on it. And so that's what we'll speak about tonight. Uh, The Lord Jesus had been in dialogue with Jewish religious leaders. And subsequent to the conversation, his followers, uh, Jewish disciples, asked him about the end of the age, future. He was uh, interested, as we are, about what's going to happen, you know. And he began to, to, to tell them things. They wanted to know a time frame, as, as we do. And so they said, when, when will these things be? When will be the end of the age? And in Matthew 24, that's what we've been examining, you know, it Uh, The Lord gave a response, a rather lengthy response in answer to their question. He did so while seated on the Mount of Olives. That was the teaching style in the old days to sit while students would stand. And he began to give them in uh, Matthew 24 a series of indicators of when the... The, the end times would come upon them. And we looked in prior verses during which time he explained to them that they could expect uh, things like great deception and war and rumors of war even and famine and earthquakes on, on a global scale. And he explained to them, but hang in there because these are just birth pangs. Oh, they will come like contractions in quicker uh, succession and greater intensity, but these are just the birth pangs. And now in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, he is going to uh, continue his Olivet discourse and give them more indicators uh, of the end times. And so he said, then, future time, they will deliver you not specifically the ones he's speaking to, but you, meaning they will deliver ones like you. You'll see that in a second. Well, who is the you? Well, they're followers of the Lord, yeah, but particularly Jewish followers of the Lord. As you examine the context of Matthew 24, he is speaking to Uh, his Jewish followers, his disciples, they're going to deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by, look, all nations, a persecution on a global scale. Why? Because of my name. And so the question is, who in particular will be in this time of tribulation the target of unprecedented persecution by the nations of the world? And the answer is, I'll prove it to you, the Jews. In fact, the tribulation is also known in the Bible as the time of Jacob's 
trouble. So I refer you to Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Alas, for that day, future day, is great. There is none like it. And it is the time, see it, of Jacob's distress. But he will be saved from it. Jacob stands for Israel. Jacob stands for Jews. If it's then the tribulation, the time of Jacob's distress, where's the church during this time? Ah, you see, that's the point. It's gone. It ain't there. It got raptured over there. Notice there is before there. That's called good news. We didn't just set this up arbitrarily. That means hope. If we put that after this, that's not hope. This is hope. See, this is the time of the outpouring of God's wrath. The father doesn't pour out his wrath on his kids because the father already poured out his wrath on his only begotten kid, the Lord Jesus, for the rest of those who would be his kids. You see, Jesus suffered enough to take care of uh, the stroke, which is do you and I. We don't need to add to his uh, sufferings. We just have to uh, be grateful for them. So God's wrath on ungodliness has been satisfied on the cross. In Jesus, for you and me, or in you for rejecting Jesus. In that case, yeah, the tribulation does concern you. So this is the time of Jacob's distress or trouble. It is not the time of the church's trouble or distress because the church ain't there. It's gone. God's purpose for the church has been completed there at the rapture. The church began in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost and the church ended at the rapture. I didn't say the gospel ended. I didn't say the Holy Spirit ended. I didn't say God has no purpose uh, beyond the church. I'm just telling you the church didn't exist in the Old Testament, doesn't exist in the tribulation. The church came into existence in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came down and indwelt believers. And the church comes to an end here at the rapture. That is to say the church is elevated, lifted, caught up from earth to meet the Lord in the Air and thus not to go through the period of the tribulation. However, though God's purpose for the church is completed at the rapture, God's purpose for ethnic Israel, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is not completed at the rapture. A bazillion years ago, it seems, in another series on Israel, we examined the covenant God made with Abraham. Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, in which he promised Abraham's descendants land and seed and dynasty and kingdom and blessing and all those things have not yet been fulfilled. But is God a liar? Oh, no. They will be fulfilled through the tribulation and thereafter on this unlabeled mountain peak, which we will get to maybe, unless the rapture comes first, you see, in which case 
Let's see. I usually say, Brother Chuck will complete the series, you know, but I don't understand. But anyway, because he's not with us tonight. So. All righty. So, the tribulation is many things, one of which is a time of preparation for Israel's restoration and conversion. So says Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 29. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. And verse 30, when you are in distress and all these things come upon you, when you are in distress, the time of Jacob's distress, and all these things come upon you, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. Verse 31, for the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant. There it is with your fathers which he swore to them. And so the tribulation is a time during which God will discipline Israel for her stubbornness, hard-heartedness, and rejection of Messiah Jesus with a view towards bringing as many as who will believe to faith in him. So just as God at the rapture will have fulfilled his purpose with the church, so too God must fulfill his promises to Israel. For God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So says Numbers 23, you see. 19. And so God has made promises to Israel still yet not fulfilled. Here they are. Romans chapter 11 verse 25. Lots of scripture tonight. For I do not want you brethren to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial, it doesn't say complete, it doesn't say eternal, partial hardening spiritual dullness, if you will, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We're in the time known as the fullness of the Gentiles. That's when you guys get in to my house. I've been on vacation, so I'm more obnoxious than ever. I want you to know that. This is the time of the fullness of the Gentiles where Jews who come to the, know the Lord are really this statistical anomaly. Most in the church of Jesus Christ today, I'm sure you agree, are Gentile believers. But this does not mean, as some mistakenly conclude, that God's purpose for Israel is over. If God's purpose for Israel is over and still yet unfulfilled, then you have no assurance God will fulfill his promises to you. You see what's at stake? It's his character and truthfulness. So then it says, continuing in Romans 11, 26, 27, and so, look at this, all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. The deliverer, that's the Lord Jesus, will come from Zion. 
He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them. When, not if, when I take away their sins. Well, what in the world will move Israel? Jewish people who deny, mostly, deny the Lord Jesus as their Messiah. What will move Israel to repent and in fact turn to God? That will, the great tribulation, will move Israel to do so. So I refer you to Jeremiah 30, verse 11. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you. For I will destroy completely, look, all the nations where I have scattered you. Only I will not destroy you completely, but I will chasten you justly and will by no means leave you unpunished. Israel will be judged for her sin, rebellion, and rejection of her own Messiah. But Israel's trials during the Great Tribulation period will lead to a great spiritual revival on the part of a portion of the nation of Israel so that what will emerge is a godly remnant So not everyone who is a Jew will be saved because he or she is a Jew. No, a Jew is saved the way, the same way a Gentile is saved, by being brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way it is. But the great tribulation will motivate a fraction, a remnant, a part of Jews who are in the tribulation to turn to the one whom they have pierced. And say, forgive me, Lord Yeshua. I am a sinner. Come into my heart and be my deliverer. And you will. So it says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20. Now in that day, the remnant, see it? The remnant of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never again Rely on the one who struck them, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 21, a remnant, there's the word again, will return. The remnant, there it is again, of Jacob to the mighty God. Verse 22, for though your people, O Israel, may be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant, there's the word again, within them will return. A destruction is determined But look, overflowing with righteousness. So the great tribulation, in case you're wondering what is God's purpose in this horrific time, this time of unprecedented persecution of the Jews, it's God's purpose to deliver. You see, the tribulation is done by the Antichrist, but is permitted by the real Christ. But though the Antichrist's intention in the Great Tribulation is the destruction of the Jews, the real Christ's intention during the Tribulation is the deliverance of the Jews. All? No. Only those who survive the time of Great Tribulation and put their faith, personal faith, in their own Messiah. This will only be a remnant of ethnic Israel. In fact, most sadly, will perish. 
So says Zechariah chapter 13 verse 8. It will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it. Verse 9, and I will bring the third part, one third, through the fire, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them and I will say, they are my people And they will say, the Lord is my God. So Zechariah the prophet tells us in that day, only one third of ethnic Israel will survive global persecution during the great tribulation. And that one third will return to the Lord Jesus. And that's what it means in Roman uh, chapter 11, Romans 11, when Paul says, and then all Israel will be saved. Does that mean every individual Jew? Yes. Those who survive the great tribulation and turn to the Lord Jesus. Every one of them will look upon him whom he has... What's the cost? Two-thirds of all Jews in existence during the time of Jacob's trouble will perish. Two-thirds. One-third will survive, put their faith in the Lord Jesus, and be delivered. Folks, it is a time of such unprecedented tribulation that the Lord himself uttered this statement in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, verse 21, For then... Again, that's a time indicator. That's the future. For then there will be a great tribulation. Look, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. Now, some say the things we're speaking about, the things which the Lord spoke about in Matthew chapter 24, have already been fulfilled in A.D. 70. Some say this. And some of those who say that are good, committed, dedicated Christians. So what I'm about to say, I say uh, with caution and respect to those who have a different perspective on this than I or perhaps you do. I would not separate from fellowship with a fellow Christian who sees the timing here differently than I do. I would only say to that Christian, you be dead wrong. (laughs) Flat out wrong. It's a position called preterism, and I only tell you about it because it's increasing in popularity again. The preterist position meaning these things, these future things that we're speaking about already were fulfilled in A.D. 70. And they do so. Please don't let me make this look like an outlandish point of view. There's a basis for it. Indeed, in A.D. 70, there was a great persecution of the Jews under Roman general, soon-to-be emperor Titus. He destroyed Jerusalem, burned it to the ground and all the rest. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that one million Jews perished. But I just read to you Matthew twenty four twenty one, where the Lord's own words tell us the tribulation he's speaking of is nothing like anything that has happened nor ever will happen. 
Now that persecution of the Jews, which the Lord is speaking about, this great tribulation, could not have taken place in A.D. 70 because though the loss of a million lives is surely a significant loss indeed, it pales in comparison to the loss, for instance, of Jewish lives under Hitler in Nazi Germany. Six million perished. So if this great tribulation that uh, we speak about took place in A.D. 70, the Lord is either a liar or is mistaken. Because he said the tribulation which is to come is such like has never happened before until now, nor ever shall be. But subsequent to that, there was a greater tribulation of the Jews. In fact, six times as many Jewish lives were lost. You see what I'm saying? So Matthew 24 could not have been fulfilled in A.D. 70, and that's why I don't hold to preterism, and that's why I don't think you should. But I'll still be your friend if you want to pay for lunch. (laughs) Furthermore, the prophet Zechariah, who we consulted a little earlier told us that during the time of great tribulation to come, two-thirds of the Jews will perish. But that didn't happen in A.D. 70. You see what I'm trying to get in? Also, there's something else. The purpose of God, I think as we've demonstrated, in allowing Israel to be exposed to this horrific uh, time of persecution during the reign of Antichrist, uh, God's purpose in it, is to motivate his covenant people to repent. That is to say, to turn to him. And I have to tell you, pain and affliction is really a great motivator when you're otherwise comfortable with the world as it is. So his purpose is not destruction and annihilation of the Jews at all. Not at all. It's deliverance of the remnant of Jews who come through the great tribulation in faith in Messiah Jesus. So his purpose in the great tribulation is deliverance and not destruction. But after the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus in A.D. 70, the Jews were uh, not delivered from the nations. In fact, they were scattered throughout the nations. So that persecution of the Jews did not lead to the outcome the great tribulation is to lead to. The Jews weren't saved after the persecution by Titus. They were just dispersed and remain dispersed amongst the nations today. Some even end up in Texas of all places. I've never heard of such a thing. So therefore, what happened in AD 70 could not, did not fulfill what the Lord very specifically said about the end times great tribulation period in Matthew twenty four twenty one, He said once again, then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. No, there's a lot left to come. It wasn't fulfilled in A.D. 70. Indeed, the time of Jacob's trouble is yet to come. But it isn't due to a God, don't, don't think this, bent on destruction. Oh, no. It's due to a God bent on deliverance of the very people he chose to obligate himself to in a covenant relationship. 
And this is what is so remarkably wonderful about this still yet unseen God. Distant in many ways. I've not, perhaps some have, I've not heard him audibly. I've not touched him. I've not seen him. Yet we know that this God is powerful and categorically different and mysterious in many ways. We know this God's character, his very character, is to redeem and to deliver and to enter into, if you will, a kind of a marital relationship, not subject to death or or divorcement, a kind of a covenant. And it is exemplified in his relationship with Israel, stiff-necked, hard-hearted, idolatrous and adulterous Israel. And yet God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And then there's the new covenant, which God opens up to any who will, and who says, I will be a father to you just as I've chosen to be to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even at your worst, I'll be at my best. (laughs) For where your horrific sin abounds, my overwhelming, inexplicable grace superabounds. So what do we learn from this spotted history with Israel? Forget about the Jews. Our purpose is not so much to learn about the Jews, to be enamored with the Jews. Our purpose is to learn about the God who chose to select them out as his own. And to say, uh, no sooner will the, the atmospheric conditions and realities change then I will forsake them and break my covenant with them and I will be a father to them and they will be like children to me and so what we learn is oh my goodness when I'm barely hanging on to him and surely don't deserve him he will not let me go even in the depth of great agony Michelle he will not let me go and even in the depths of the penetrating nature of the sin which we are capable of, we can repent and turn to him and he will not let us go. I'm really hopeful. I don't exactly like the day, but I'm really hopeful of the outcome of the day. I guess I just wonder, where are you? Do you wonder about stuff Increasingly, you have to be aware of the fact that you're in control of less and less, aren't you? You can't control anything. Good night, you can't even get your satellite dish to work. Come on, that cust- those people aren't calling you back. You're not in control. Wouldn't it be great to be in the hands of the God who controls eternal realities? I'm there and I'm hopping over this guy in this period of time. I'm just hip-hopping over. There's hope in the Lord Jesus. Don't make it just a do you go to church on Sunday. It's a reality, an environment. It's a reality behind the front page news and even 
elections, which we're all, I'm sure, being prayerful about and all the rest. It's about being in the hands of Almighty God who has it all under his control. It's about being wedded to him and it's about him never letting us go. And how do I know that? If he still has an enduring plan for stiff-necked Israel. He has an enduring plan for everyone who will call upon him. Gee, I wish you would if you haven't. I wish you would I wish you would do it like this. Would you pray with me? I wish you would say, Lord Jesus, I get it. I get it. Would you wed yourself to me? Would you join yourself to me? Would you enter into covenant partnership with me? Would you come into my life? Would you take control? I'm out of control. Would you forgive me? I can't even, I guess I can't even raise my eyes and look upon you. You're holy. I'm not. Would you forgive me? As you intend to do with a remnant in Israel, with, would, you, would you impart righteousness upon me? Would you cleanse me through the cleansing agent, which is the shed blood of your only begotten son? I accept that. Adopt me as a son. Adopt me as a daughter. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Change my internal and forever reality. Fulfill your promises to me, Lord Jesus, in spite of me, for that's the only way they'll be fulfilled. Save me from beginning to end, Lord Jesus. and Fill me with hope even as I experience pain. You could do it, Lord Jesus. You've done it for Michelle. You could do it for me. Make me a Christ one, a Christian. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.